Let's turn to the scriptures, please. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians for a few verses. 2 Corinthians, please, chapter 5, verse 17. <clears throat> Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Let's pray. Father, we exalt you in this place. And we love your son, the Lord Jesus. And now we ask you, Lord, that you would take your own word and wing it to every heart. Glorify yourself. Glorify your son. Holy Spirit, come and do your own sovereign work and glorify the name of the Lord. We ask it for Jesus' name's sake. Amen. Last week we looked at 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17 says, Therefore if any man, that is any woman, any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Now notice the in Christ. If a man and a woman are in Christ, they are a new creature. And what we're looking at is a new creature for the new creation. In other words, God is gathering to himself his own elect where he has called us and he has drawn us through the power of his spirit and the preaching of the word and he has drawn us to the cross of Calvary. We have by faith seen the Lord Jesus redeeming us through his precious blood, received him as our own Lord and personal saviour. And so the Holy Spirit, he resides in us. And of course, the Holy Spirit, he quickens our hearts to see all these things, to know all these things. But we become a new creature. We are in Christ. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. We looked at this in depth last week and we must move on from it. But if you're saved this evening, if you're trusting in the blood of Jesus, you tonight are a new creature. You're a new creation in the Lord Jesus and all the old things of your life have passed away and you have a bright and a new future in the kingdom of God and then God's heaven when Christ returns to set up his wonderful kingdom, God willing, we'll look at that thousand year reign and we'll also look at after the end of the thousand years where we go into millennial or, or, or aeon of time from the millennial reign. And we serve the Lord, we live uh, and reign with the Lord Jesus. That's those of us who are in Christ. So here we looked at this last week, you're a, a new creature. Then we're told that the Lord would do something new or a new thing. We're told in, in Isaiah chapter 43 and verse 19, the Lord said, Behold, I do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. 
Shall ye not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. Here the Lord says you're a new creature and he's going to do a new thing. The new thing is also mentioned not only in Isaiah 43 and verse 19, but it's mentioned in Isaiah 42 and verse 9. Listen to the words of the prophet. He says, Behold, the former things are come to pass, and new things do I declare before they spring forth. I tell you of them. The Lord was saying that, and he's also told us, looking back 2,000 years, that in the future from Isaiah's day, 700 to 750 years before the Lord Jesus Christ came, that he would do a new thing. A new thing means something unprecedented in its wonderful character. So the Lord would make new creatures and he would do our new creation and he would do a new thing. First of all, we have to think of what was the new thing. And last week we looked at the new thing was God himself becoming flesh. God himself taking on the nature, not the nature of angels, but the seed of Abraham and becoming a man. Our reading, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 tells us, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. And then if you let your eye run down to verse 19, it says, To it that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. In other words, God is in Christ. And that man who walked this scene of time, that man who walked in Galilee, that man who was in Pilate's judgment hall, that man who went to the cross, that man who bled and died, that man who went to the grave, that man who rose again the third day, that man who ascended into the heavens after showing himself to above 500 brethren, that man who is in the glory is almighty God wrapped or veiled in human flesh. He's now risen, exalted and glorified. He says that in him, God was in that man, fully God, fully man. He didn't take on the nature of a theophany, as it's known, an angelic presence or a showing of God as he did to others in the Old Testament. He took upon him the seed of Abraham. He became a man in order that you and I would, would, would be able to be in him through his precious shed blood. You see, if God came as an angel, he couldn't redeem us. If God came as an angelic being, he couldn't die on the cross for us. As he came as a theophany, as almighty God, manifest to the eyes of, of sinful human man, he couldn't have shed blood for us. For God had not blood, save in he who was God, the Lord Jesus Christ, was God in flesh. So God took on him the seed of Abraham, becoming a man. Hung on a cross, he bled and he died to pay our debt. So when we are in him, we are in Christ. God is in Christ. Then we are one spirit with the Lord. Something unprecedented in its wonderful character was this, that great is the mystery of godliness, that God was manifest in the flesh. So here Isaiah the prophet speaks of it through the unction of the spirit. 700 or 750 years or so 
before the very incarnation and birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. God himself was in that man and in that baby. And when he died on the cross of Calvary, we finished here last week, we looked at what he saved us from. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 14 says that he blotted out the handwriting of ordinance which was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way. Notice, nailing it to his cross. Here the word we looked at blotting last week is the word escalafo. It means to wash every part. To wash every part. To wipe off or to wipe away completely. It also means to totally obliterate. In other words, God in Christ was nailed to the cross and the handwriting of the ordinance that was against us, that was contrary unto us, he placed it on his son and he totally wiped it away from our bill of debt. He totally washed us clean every part from the curse of it and he totally obliterated it from our view. In other words, that which was written against us, we think of the law that was written against us and the law is perfect, converting the soul. But uh, when it comes to sinful man and to sinful woman, we find that that law is too high for us to attain to. We cannot keep God's law and since we can't keep it, we fall short of the glory of God and we sin against God. In other words, That sin is a transgression of God's law. Let me just take it in a nutshell, the Ten Commandments for a moment. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. Can I ask you, friend, do you do that every waking moment and every sleeping moment of the day? The answer is no, we don't. It's impossible for us to do that. But that's the standard of holiness. That's the standard of love which God demands. Have you ever stolen? Have you ever looked at a man or a woman with lust? It's called adultery in the Bible. See, we've all fallen short of the glory of God. And and if you have lusted after a woman or a man or or, or you have stolen, then, then you must look how you stand before God. You stand as an adulterous thief. If you've hated someone in your heart, it's called murder before God because it's in your heart. You may not have carried it out, but even, even at that, so then you're, you're a murderer before God and you stand guilty before Almighty God. And that was written against us. It was contrary. The handwriting was, was already signed in heaven, as it were, because it was impossible for you and I to keep the law of God. We're told that the handwriting here, the word is karographon, and it means the handwriting that is written by one's own hand. In other words, the handwriting that was written by God's own hand was against us. The commandments and the law of God. And it was against you and it was against me. In fact, it says it's contrary unto us. The word contrary here is a big word. It's hoop and anteos. Hoop and anteos. 
And it gives the idea that it's, it's an opposite against us. Everywhere we go, there was the standard of God. When you go to bed at night, it still looms over you. When you wake up in the morning, there is the law of God, the standard of the kingdom of God, should a man or a woman wish to enter God's heaven. And that's what the Bible means when it says that, that, that you and I are fallen short of the glory of God. We can't keep it. And hupenantios also means not only in opposition, but it means something set against something else. Everywhere I went, every time you went somewhere, every, to every waking hour, we, this was against us. It was maybe not visible to our face, but it was against us in God's eyes. This is who they are. They're a sinner. This is who they are. They're a failure. This is who they are. Unable to keep the very law of God. And we're all under that curse. For the weakness that was not in the law of God, but in the flesh of sinful man and woman. It means it was against us every moment of every day. It also means, and it gives the idea, it means to meet one another. Every time I open my eyes in the morning, the law of God would meet me. Every time you would get up and start making the breakfast, the law of God would meet you. You're going to work, the law of God is meeting you because your eyes see and your ears hear and, and your flesh craves and desires things that are against God. And it meets you at every day, every moment, every step of the way. It was against you, it was opposed to you, it was in your face, it was drawing you and it was using you. And this was against us all the time. You want to be in my kingdom? You want to be in God's glory? You want to come into God's heaven? Then this is how you come. Can you keep it? Can you attain it? And the answer was no. Not one of us. There is none righteous. No, not one. I'm not a bad man or a woman. And that's true. You may not be in the sense of human sense. But in the eyes of God, those who are not in Christ are new creatures and they are outside of Christ and old creatures to one for another word, then this is still against you. Still against you. You see, it also gives the idea, the word here, hubenantheos, in the Greek New Text, it's, it's, a, it's a very strong word, if I could use that. It's very, very strong. And it gives the idea of something that is just not against us or in our face. But really, it gives the idea of a violent opposition. A violent opposition against you. And every day, the man and the woman who are not saved, it's a violent opposition against them. They're falling short of God's glory. That's where it reads. When Christ died on the cross, the new thing that came to make me a new creature. The new thing was that God would be manifest in flesh. And it was, of course, a, a, a wonderful, a, a beautiful thing. It was, it was unprecedented and it was wonderful in its character. And it was beautiful in the Son of God. And he kept that law because he is God in flesh. 
because you couldn't and I couldn't, he kept it. And when he kept it, he went to the cross and it was nailed in him. It was though he was that great bill, that great sheep with God's own handwriting that was against me and against you. And God wrote it and set it in his son. And when his son was nailed to the cross and shed his blood, then all of those handwritings of God's own hand that was against us was taken away from as far as the east is from the west. So far hath he removed our transgression from us. This is the idea of a new creature and a new thing. No ritual, no format, no ceremony, no works, no alms, no deeds, saved by grace through faith. Not alone. The man and the woman here we have a new creature, a new thing. And thirdly, now moving on, we have a new covenant. A new covenant. You see, if there was no new covenant, this blotting out of the handwriting of the ordinances that was against us and contrary unto us every moment and every day would still be against us. The new covenant is known as the New Testament. And the new covenant was spoken of or prophesied of in the book of Jeremiah chapter 31. Listen to what it says in verse 31. Behold the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make notice a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Verse 32, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers. Now let's just skip to 33 for time's sake. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days saith the Lord. I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people. Here we have 500 years before the cross of Calvary. The Lord saying, I'll make a new covenant. These people are hopeless. These people cannot attain this and God knew that. He says, I will make a covenant and I will keep the covenant. I will ratify the covenant. In Luke chapter 22, verses 14 to 20, you can read it when you go home. The Lord Jesus gathers his apostles around him and he breaks bread and he drinks of the cup of wine representing his broken body on the cross of Calvary and his precious shed blood. This is the new covenant that the Lord was speaking of. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 to to 34, uh, just roughly uh, and quickly it says, uh, uh, Paul says, For I have delivered unto you that which which the Lord uh, Jesus had given to me, that in the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. And then likewise, after the same manner also, he took the cup, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood, which is shed for many for the remission of sin. This do ye as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. Here Paul says, here is the new covenant of Jeremiah, 31 verses 31 to 33. Again, it is mentioned in Hebrews, the book of Hebrews chapter 8, and the book of Hebrews chapter 10 says about this new covenant. So here we have a, a new creature, a new thing when God becomes flesh, a new covenant. Now the new creature of Second Corinthians 5 and 17 is in Christ. And so he is a recipient of the new covenant. 
that Christ has made from Jeremiah 31. And the new creature of 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 is being transformed daily by the word of God, renewed in the spirit of their mind, regenerated by the Holy Ghost, conformed into the image of the Son of God. They are sanctified, they are set apart for the kingdom and for the service and the use of Christ alone. And that is the idea of the new creature in Christ. So look at this. Here we have a new creature, a new covenant, a new thing, a new covenant. And if you're not under the new covenant of the new thing, that is God becoming flesh and dying for us, then you're not a new creature. Then you are not a new creature, for you are not in Christ. And you are in your sin. Here's another one for you. Number four. He gives us a new song. The new creature learns to sing. Now you might be saying, you know, I can't sing too well and I could join you. But the new creature is given a new song. The new song is from the depths of their heart. Listen to what Psalm 33 and verse 3 says. Sing unto him a new song. Play skillfully with a loud noise. Praise God for noises. Everyone, a lot of people tell us we have to be so quiet like mice and no noise and we're, we're to have everything so silently and reverentially done that even the church mouse isn't afraid to run up the, the aisle to the altar. Here the, uh, we're told in the Psalms to, to, to sing a new song and play skillfully with a loud voice. Look at what it says in Psalm 40, verses 2 and 3. He brought me up also out of an horrible pit. And out of the merry clay set my feet upon a rock. He established my goings. He hath put a new song in my mouth. Even praise unto our God. Many shall see it in fear. Shall trust in the Lord. Here is a testimony of a man who has been delivered of a man who has been redeemed, of a man who has been saved. Here he is being brought out of an horrible slime pit and he can't get out of it on his own merit. And the slime pits were great holes in the ground and when the rain came and ran down the sides, it was impossible for them to climb out no matter how hard. And the handwriting of the ordinances that was against us and that was contrary unto us, and all those things that loomed against us every day was like a horrible pit. It led not only to sin in our nature and our inability, the total depravity of our nature to save ourselves, but it led in something else. It led in us showing the fruit of it. If I asked you something, there was an old apostolic man told me this one time. He used to come out with some gems. I was good friends with him, and he said, Tell me, son, what's the difference between sin and sins? I said, I don't know. Would you tell me? He says, sin is the root and sins is the fruit. Sin is the root and sins is the fruit. In other words, we start producing the fruit of what is in our nature. We start producing the fruit of the old man and the old woman and all of the desires and the loss of the flesh and the loss of the eye and the pride of life. And we start to produce it until our eyes become a shame and a waste. And many of us are on the broad road to destruction, going to hell in a handbasket instead of some of them think they're wafting to heaven in a handbasket. 
You don't even realize it, that the handwriting of the ordinances have not been blotted out unless they come to Christ. And unless they're found in Christ, they're not a new creation or a new creature. Notice this. You have brought me up also out of a horrible pit and you can't climb out. That is the total depravity of human nature. Your full and total inability to save yourself. No matter how hard you try. No matter what you do. You cannot save yourself. He brings you out of the horrible pit. From the merry clay. From that lifestyle. There's many have been saved from life of, of drink and drugs. And, uh, and fornication. And all sorts of vices. And that's the, the, the fruit of their sins. The root is inside, but that's the fruit. But it stuck them fast like Mary Clay. And they found themselves stuck there. They can't get out. They can't even help themselves in life. But God steps into the pit. God became flesh. That new thing that happened that was unprecedented and wonderful in its character when Almighty God stepped into a sin-cursed world and he came to bleed and die to keep a law that you and I might be redeemed and forgiven. He stepped into my pit and he'll step into your pit. And if you're not saved, he can step into your pit tonight. And he lifts you up out of the pit and he sets my feet upon a rock and he establishes your goings. Listen, and he puts a new song in your mouth. Even praise unto our God. You know the mouth you're used to swearing with and the mouth you're used to blaspheming with and the mouth you're used to do all sorts of things with and take your advice with. You know the mouth that, that, that you use to gossip with and to swear with and do all those things that the world does with. The mouth that you sang the songs of the world with. The song of the drunkard with. He changes that mouth and gives you a new song in your mouth. Even praise unto our God. And he says, he gives you a testimony. Many shall see it and shall fear and trust in the Lord. In other words, a sanctified, set apart, Holy Ghost filled, Jesus loving lifestyle will be a testimony that people will see and say they have something I do not have. I need Christ. Here is a new song in my mouth. Many shall see it in fear. Listen to Psalm 96 and 1. Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord all the earth. Here there's many, many verses about singing a new song. But let me just run you through a couple more before we move on briefly. Revelation chapter 5. If you'd like to turn in your Bibles with me. Revelation chapter 5, please. And let your eye run down to verse just verse 9, just for time's sake. Here's a picture of glory. Here's a picture of the kingdom. Here's a picture of the wonderful Christ and all who stand around him. Verse 9 says, And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book, and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain, and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and hast made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. What do you think of that? Isn't that marvelous? Lord, you alone are worthy. There's none other worthy. You see, I couldn't keep the law. It was in my face everywhere I went. And the Holy Ghost comes. And we get on with life as if you know, we're not sinning. And we get on with life as if, well, we don't, even, we don't even realize what we're doing. 
We're dead in our trespasses and sins. And like a dead man can't answer back. And a dead man can't get up and run. And a dead man can't get up and walk. And a dead man won't say, ouch, if you pinch him. Or his his eye won't move if you shine a light in it. The optic nerve is dead. So you and I are dead in our trespasses and in our sins. But the light of the glorious gospel of Christ comes and shines in our hearts. And the darkness, it is vanquished in Christ. Here we have that beautiful gospel. And we see the one who kept the law we couldn't keep. And when we look at him, we say, Lord, this law, we couldn't keep it. And it was in my face every day. And suddenly we see that we are sinners before him. And we can't keep that law. And we can't save ourselves Suddenly we see something wonderful. We sense the conviction of our sin. But then we see the cross of Calvary. And the Lamb of God bearing away our sin. And his own body on the tree, nailing it to his cross. Turn with me to Revelation 14, please. Revelation 14. This is a wonderful portion of scripture too. Verse 3. And they sung as it were a new song before the throne and before the four beasts and the elders and no man could learn that song but the 144,000 which were redeemed from the earth. Notice there's a new song in the new creature. They have come under the new covenant because the Lord has done a new thing. Let us move on quickly. Number five, they are given a new name. A new name. Do you know, brother or sister, that God has a new name for you? Your parents have named you, but he has a new name for you. I don't know what it is. I don't know what mine own is. I'll be glad to get rid of Kenneth, to be honest. There's a new name. Look at Revelation chapter 2, verse 17. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna, and will give him a white stone, and in the stone a new name written, which no man knoweth, saving he that receiveth it. Here's a white stone. I don't want to go into this too much, because I'll do another night on these things more in more detail. Here's a white stone and a new name written in it, which no man knoweth, saving he that receiveth it. What is this white stone with a new name? It's said in ancient days that a white stone was a sign of friendship. But it was used for other things. It was also given as an invitation or a ticket as you want. You know, if someone came to you and says, will you come to an event? There's a gospel meeting on, uh, singers are singing, there's a ticket for you. Well, then they'd have come and says, I've scratched your name in that, there's a white stone for you. It's given like a ticket to an invitation. And the white stone was also a sign of acquittal in a court of law. If you got a white stone from the judge, if you got a white stone, you were set free, you were at liberty, there was nothing held against you. You were totally free to go on your way. It was also given 
at games where there would be like the Olympic Games and so on. The, the, the victor got a white stone and their name engraved in it sometimes. And it was something to have to say, look what I got. I'm a friendship. I'm acquitted of all or, 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 or in a court case of law. Look, I have been given a name, my name in a white stone and, and I'm allowed into this great banqueting house. It was a wonderful thing. And the Lord says, to him that overcometh, I give you a, a white stone with a new name written in it that only you will know about it because I will be so close to you in fellowship. The white stone also entitled those who had it for public services that they would, they would be kept, if you want, or maintained at public expense. It would cost them absolutely nothing forever. Beautiful pictures of the kingdom of God and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That it cost nothing but cost him everything. The Romans had a name for this. It was called Tessere Convales. Convivalis. That was for the ticket. That was for the winner of a race. That was for an equivalent law. And they called it Tessere Convivales. But then there was another one when they gave it again and they called it Tessere Hospitales. And it means it's a testimony that friendship has been made between two parties. Reconciliation has taken place and you and me are okay. Tessere hospitales, they called it. And here Christ is saying, I will give you that new white stone with a new name to say, you and me, we're friends. You're welcome. It's all free. You and me, we're reconciled. You and I, we're close. Enter thy into the joy of thy Lord. The Lord gives that new creature a new name. There's a new name awaiting you in the kingdom of God and awaiting me also. Also, there's a a place for you. Revelation chapter 3, verse 12. The Lord says, Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God. And he shall go no more out and I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from God, and I will write upon him my new name. Notice New Jerusalem. Now, there's many people think that New Jerusalem is going to be like a big spaceship. You see it in paintings coming down a new big city. Friend, I want to tell you something if you're a new creature in Christ. You are the new Jerusalem. You are the temple of God. And he'll make you a pillar in it. Talk about that some other time. Listen to what he says in Revelation 22 and verse 2. I, John, saw the holy city, new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Here John says a a new Jerusalem prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. In other words, the bride of Christ, the redeemed saints of God, are those who are the new Jerusalem, coming down out of glory as the bride of Christ. 
Notice this. If you will, you'll have a new body at this time. A new body. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 12, please. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 12. I'm conscious the time is gone, but give me a few more minutes and we'll try and round this up and finish it off. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 2, sorry, verse 2. Notice what Paul says here. For in this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. If so being clothed, we shall be not be found naked. What's Paul talking about? Paul's speaking here of the bodily resurrection of the dead in Christ. Paul's speaking here of those who will be caught up in a moment in the twinkling of an eye, who will form their place in the part of the new Jerusalem. Paul is speaking of you receiving a new body. Look, if you go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep or die, that is, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. Notice that. The strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The strength of sin was that you and I had broken the law and it was contrary against us. It was being violent in our face. But because we're new creatures in Christ at this time, the dead in Christ shall rise first and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet the Lord in the air and we shall be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye and take our place and our part in the new Jerusalem. Only Abraham himself, in Hebrews 11 and 10, we're told, he looked for a city which hath foundations. Notice whose builder and maker is God. Whose builder and maker is God. Time would not have me to tell you of a new and living way which is consecrated for us in Hebrews 10 and verse 20. Paul says that you can be a new man in Ephesians 4 and 24 and in Colossians 3 and 10. There's a, a new lump. Your wife tells you next time you're a big lump. Then you know that's scriptural. Paul says we're all big lumps. Well, not big lumps, we're all lumps. You can be a new lump if we put away the old lifestyle and all the sin. Paul says for the sin is like leaven and it comes right through you. Be a new lump, he says in, in, in 1 Corinthians 5 and verse 7. And here we have the new body. Let me do you the last one. Thank you for your attention. Number eight. A new heaven and a new earth. This is the new creation. The new creatures and the new creation. Isaiah 65 and verse 17, the Lord says, For behold, I create new heavens and new earth. And the former shall not be remembered nor come to mind. The old is past. All has become new. The Lord says, I will create a new heavens and a new earth. 
Isaiah 66 and verse 22, For as the new heavens and the new earth which I make shall remain before me, saith the Lord, so shall your seed and your name remain. And this is the seed that shall remain as those who are in Christ. And there will be a new heaven and a new earth. In 2 Peter 3 and verse 13, Nevertheless, we according to his promise look for a new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Christ will return and we will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air and changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. We will return to root and reign with him for 1,000 years. Satan will be bound. Satan will be loosed at the end of it. At the end of the 1,000 years, Satan will go on his rampage. The Lord will cast Satan into the burning lake of fire. There will be the great white throne judgment for all those who are not new creatures, for all those who are not in Christ. They are not saved. And after that, the Lord then will change the heavens and the earth and the fullness of it all will be righteousness. It's called the kingdom of God. He'll make everything new. Revelation 21 and 5 says, he that sat upon the throne says, behold. You know what the word behold means? Now look you here. He that sat upon the throne says, behold, I make all things new. Will you be there? Will you be there? The new creation. You'll be a new creature through the new covenant and the new creation. God bless you. Thank you for your attention this evening. Thank you for listening. It was more like a Bible study towards the end there, but I wanted to get that finished for we have a dedication to do next Sunday night. We have another word to bring. Different young Daniels being dedicated. Not this Daniel here now. <laughs> Stephen's we on Daniels being dedicated. We're looking forward to that. Listen, if you're not saved and in Christ, then you're still in your sin and this is still against you. But you can be born again of the Spirit and a new creature in Christ if you come to him tonight. May the Lord bless you. Gary, please.